Yeah, you motherfuckers ought to let me go and finish this motherfucking album. Dr. Doom, name of this track is called I Don't Want the Motherfucking Chorus. Whatever the arrangements are, we gonna go through. Fuck all the laws. What the fuck was in your mind when you rapped on that track? Who possessed you to do that? Who programmed that shit sound whack? Unplug your mic, you motherfuckers rap under a bunch of fucking hype. Programmed by the company making something G vocal sound like a nigga with no door and a promo. Making asses out of yourselves trying to rap solo. Suck my dick when you see me, avoid me cause you wanna beat me. Y'all niggas write like slouches, puffing blunts on studio cautions. What's up, you fucking amateur, your engineer Q and your bullshit cadence? That shit sounds simple. Look at this nigga rhyming to it so whack as fuck, smell like shit with one buck. Big crews don't want it, y'all get it worse. Which one of y'all motherfuckers is waiting for the mic first? I hope your bitches in the audience, your wife too, that's your fan base. Plus your DJs in the place, I'm about to boo you, let it be fair. When you come off stage, 90% of the people that came on your guest list ain't gonna be there. A big disappointment when I rub your asshole with a verbal ointment. Rappers acting hard, nervous in the dressing room. With a security guard, groupies standing around with their fucking face frown, looking like fucking homie the clown. Put that spring water down, man, you ain't sweating. Your motherfuckers did a 10 minute week showing you jetting. Your fans are mad, your performance was garbage bag Look at these videotapes walking back and forth Grabbing your nuts like the planet of the apes Supervisor, criticizer, y'all don't realize that we're the real guys are Who's administrating your budget when you take that hot picture for right on with the ballroom right on? You know the night is kinda special like Lauren bro When I escort you to your car You break out bastards, leave the premises And reminisce on your rookie season at the first starter You try to work harder, you never paid no dues Like cold crushing Africa Bambata You whack nigga trying to act large in the video in Nevada You fucking pink maggot, I'll take Mike, you can't have it. Your niggas be running around with ears open like fucking bunny rabbits. That's right, Dr. Doom. All you motherfuckers around the world sitting in studios with your boys, hyping your shit up. Motherfuckers don't want to tell you that your shit is whack because they all yes men. Sitting around carrying your roadie cases, being your fucking cheerleaders. I'ma tell you straight, look in the fucking mirror, you whack. That shit don't sound right. The mix down ain't right. Your vocals are too low. Your fucking cadence is off. Stage show's weak. Fuck you. Damn, my internet connection is so whack. But that's nothing new. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Saint. No, 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 Saint. This is no ldbc music it's everything contrary to ldbc if you pay attention to one and only legendary cool keith aka dr doom he's calling out motherfuckers like that whack motherfuckers what's up intangible good evening yeah i mean cool keith probably the most underrated rapper of all time and probably the only one that I can listen to this day. But anyways, enough with that. <laughs> yes, ain't. No, but I'm really serious. Uh, hold on, let me just share the thumbnail. Hold yeah. on. Oh, I made a mistake. Just give me a second. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Big up to revolution. <laughs> yeah, but no. <clears throat> cool Keith. 
has been going against the grain and uh, calling the copycats and the wannabe gangster rappers for for decades. Okay, so tell me what you thought about this fight, man, because I have a lot to tell you about it. Intangible saying on rewatch, I gave Taylor nine rounds. Well, uh, that was my question. What were your scorecards, guys? Saint, anybody else? And uh, what were the scorecards when you're, um, you were watching it live in Tangible? Okay, so Saint had it 117 to 109. So it means, uh, hold on, 9 to 3 as well, plus the knockdowns, yeah. Six points difference in rounds plus two knockdowns. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> me watching it live, I had it 11 to 1 round for uh, for Taylor. It, it was such a clear domination, in my opinion, that only, I could only give Ramirez one round. But re-watching it earlier, and uh, I've, I didn't care enough about the fight, but it just confirmed my thoughts uh, that... I mean, not necessarily giving Ramirez one round, but I can see giving him up to three rounds. And because even those rounds where um, Taylor took it, uh, not took it off, but was the right word that I'm trying to find. Uh, even those rounds where uh, the guy Taylor wanted to rest, he was still landing a lot of punches and there is there are a lot of things that i want to say about it but mainly that no way in hell you could give ramirez five rounds or even <laughs> let alone six rounds or claim it was a close fight it was terrible even after rewatching it I'm I'm adamant about it. There is no way it was a close fight uh, without knockdowns. It was a clear victory for Taylor, and I was almost right. I thought that they were going to rob just Josh Taylor, and I'm going to tell you why. By the way, intangible. He had uh, watching it live. He had it eight to four for Taylor plus the knockdowns one sixteen one ten. Yeah, I mean, you can, especially when watching it live, um, at least it's been my experience as a, as a European boxing fan, watching the fights live late. And it's not always, plus watching it live, uh, we would uh, give uh, score many punches that, that are not scoring just because someone lets a flurry goes like it was the case with um, uh, Jose Carlos Ramirez in this fight. I mean, there were, <laughs> there were examples where ESPN commentators would uh, go crazy about Ramirez's flurries, but then they would, in between the rounds, they would uh, show the same flurry that the ESPN commentators were going crazy about. And it was showing that his, uh, his punches were being blocked and missing. 
yes ain't exactly all three judges clowns <laughs> clowns <laughs> headed six to six without knockdowns and you know what uh, let me tell you something people are in fact uh, in that post fight show on bda gonzalo was right in fact people are wrong about uh, about about the scorecard saying that it would be in a draw no judging judging by the scorecards being that Taylor scored two knockdowns. It may be a draw, but uh, those uh, those rounds went to Taylor automatically because he he scored two knockdowns in them. So without him scoring a knockdown, who who tells you that they would score those rounds for Taylor nine to ten? So they would probably score at least one of them for Ramirez, and in fact, Ramirez would have won the fight. <laughs> intangible saying he was missing <laughs> quoting Bronner uh, what was that he said that um, after the Pacquiao fight or what but anyways great great wonderful performance from Josh Taylor and I have a lot to say about it man I've been listening to some commentaries from various people I'm gonna talk about what I was saying on BDA shows Two last shows of uh, BDA Boxing Podcast were about this fight. I was on both of them. Big up to BDA family. Thank you for letting me in. I guess that all of you know about BDA Boxing, but if you don't know, now you know, and uh, you can go check their channel and subscribe. Um, Hold on, Intangible saying, I didn't listen to the commentary. It was only... I was only aware of what was being said by them from Dwyer's <laughs> videos and, of course, Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Big up to one and only Dwyer, Richard Dwyer, a legend, a hedging queen, uh, king, sorry, not meant to disrespect one and only Dwyer, a hedging king, Richard Dwyer. We all know about Gonzalo. He had his sombrero on. Yeah, but uh, post-fight, the show that was after the fight, right after the fight, he said many good things. And, uh, yeah, he, he said it was a clear victory for Ramirez. And uh, he said some good things. I cannot recall all the things that that were being said there, but I have a couple that I'm going to discuss now on this show. What up, Pedja? Pedja. Good evening to you. Osasuna and Ward were so biased. Osuna and Ward so biased, pretending before the fight Ramirez was number one at 140 and Taylor the challenger. Oh, so fuck, I missed that, but I don't doubt it for a single second because we knew, we clearly knew what was about to happen if. There were no knockdowns from Josh Taylor. And yes, I'm I'm so adamant about it. It was a clear, um, decisive victory for uh, Josh Taylor. I could see giving Ramirez up to three rounds. And uh, even those rounds uh, in the second half of the fight that you could arguably give to Ramirez, you could as well make the case that t- um, uh, Josh Taylor won them. So, I mean... People are acting like it's enough to to 
throw flurries that are missing or being blocked. And uh, no doubt, Ramirez was landing some very good shots, some very good um, uppercuts to the body and left, hook ups, uh, left hooks upstairs. But man, people are probably judging scoring the fights, the rounds, going bad by what they're hearing from uh, from the top rank commentators. And I'll get into it right now. Uh, Saint saying, I thought Ramirez looked okay. He just lost. Shit happens. Ward is absolutely terrible at scoring fights. He had Ramirez 4-1 to one and Ramirez 4-1 to one up versus Postal. Yeah, 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 Saint. Great point. I mean, it was a fucking terrible scorecard. I had it the other way around. 4-1 to one for Ramirez, uh, for a Taylor, sorry. And, uh, oh, yeah, I even forgot uh, his course for Ramirez versus Postal. It was crazy, man. But we knew even before the fight, look, I was, um, it was shown to me by some of you on Discord, on our little private elite Discord group. <laughs> Shout out to everyone. Um, someone said, uh, someone shared a tweet and apparent inside information that Ramirez was, sorry, not Ramirez, Taylor was threatening to pull out the fight because Top Rank, for some reason, wanted him to, to go to, to quarantine in Mexico for two weeks before entering the U.S. for the fight. And um, Taylor threatened to pull it out. And... Uh, it's, it's no doubt that such a fuckery would happen. I mean, we, we already seen with uh, Hearn, Matchroom, fucking with, uh, with their A-side's opponents, flights, uh, staying at a hotel, etc. It's, it's, it's just so disgusting to, to, to what level they're um, ready to stop in order to to assure that their uh, their uh, main attraction, their A side, has uh, everything tilted his way, you know. Uh, intangible saying: Ramirez is a world class fighter and a former unified champion for a reason. But Taylor just that good. No shame in losing to him. Absolutely intangible. Well, my my opinion on Ramirez is that indeed he's. Uh, I mean, he has some attributes that are A-level, definitely. But uh, all around, I would say he's a, he's a bit limited, you know. I would say a very solid B-level fighter. And, uh, yeah, he has a very good resume. I mean, uh, that hooker victory is, uh, is an excellent victory in my book. Hold on. Anyways, I have... Um, I took a lot of a lot of notes that are probably not in order, but I'm surely going to go through them. But first of all, excuse to all of you for not being able to host the show at uh, 2 p.m. Uh, today or yesterday. Uh, I cannot remember. I, I, I think you said I said it for uh, for today, but the thing is. Uh, 
I was sleeping for 17 hours straight because the previous night, right after the fight, I I wasn't sleeping at all. So I stayed up to, to watch the fight, to try to watch the whole card. Then uh, later the next night, I went to bed at, at midnight and uh, woke up at 5 p.m. So excuses for that as well as uh, not being too not being able to host, um, how do you call it, film study show the previous week. And uh, I, I wanted to do it uh, day of the fight, but, but uh, I started it. I didn't have enough of time to do it. So sorry for that. And it sucks. And I'm, uh, I'm so mad uh, because I predicted a huge amount of things that were happening in the ring. But anyways, sorry for that, guys. Now, yeah, let's go to to to, to the pre-fight shenanigans. I spoke about the quarantine. I spoke about the politics. And uh, if you go and watch that top-ranked show, two-part show, um, Blood, Sweat and Tears, uh, for this fight, I mean, and even you don't even need that shit to, to let you know who top rank would favor. I mean, you have Josh Taylor on one side, who's two years older than Ramirez is. He's 30 years old. Ramirez is 28 years old. Uh, Josh Taylor, who who's a complete chad, <laughs> who doesn't give a fuck, who they're... I mean, uh, we already know what Taylor said about the quarantines, the, how do you call it? The curfews, the vaccines, all that bullshit, which I do agree with him on the personal level, completely agree with him, like probably a huge number of us. On the other hand, on uh, Blood, Sweat and Tears, you had uh, Ramirez talking about, and I, I'm not trying to diss Ramirez. I do think he's a very nice and respectful guy. I, I, I like that about him. But yeah, no, no cucking allowed for uh, for vaccines, for, for the masks and everything that these guys are pushing and that Top Rank has been pushing all this time. Now they they want the borders to to open up because they want some money. Bob wants that that ticket money for his fights, but he was he was criticizing the others and uh, mainly um, Dana White and MMA for uh, for hosting the shows. Now he's fishing the tune because he needs money, but uh, he needs to get that that ticket money. And uh, it's not the smartest thing for me to, to talk about it, but you know that we don't give a fuck that we're not trying to get to, to you know, to speak what the others want to hear from us. I'm going, always going against the grain, calling out the promoters, the fighters, 
you know how corruption and myself been doing. But yeah, so it was clear who who top rank wanted to win, and beside that shit, and as well as um, Taylor being the older one, you have you also have to take into consideration that Taylor isn't getting any any articles written about him. Uh, he's not popular in the UK, probably because he he is ignored. He is being ignored by the UK boxing media exactly because of what he was saying throughout these few couple of months and uh, that one club incident that he had. Uh, so I even tweeted about it. And uh, it's it's simply not an accident that they're ignoring him. I even tweeted about it. I said that anyone else, even even less popular than Josh Taylor is, if they were push, pushing the same shit and were even way less popular than Josh Taylor is and had uh, <laughs> a fight for the undisputed in the U.S., the articles would have been written about him, but not for Josh Taylor. On the other hand, uh, let's go to Jose Carlos Ramirez. Okay, so, so they're pushing that angle about him being um, being successful, coming from Mexico, living the American dream, being humble and hardworking guy, guy that he is, and he is indeed, and that's what I like about him a lot. Uh, plus, he he sells a lot of tickets, like Corruption and myself. We've been talking. Uh, he's the biggest ticket seller on the West Coast. Okay, he's not uh, not pound for pound level fighter in a sense that he's not selling pay per views or even uh, extremely hefty fight tickets. But he's selling out crowd on the regular. I mean, uh, the whole arenas. What's that? Fourteen or eighteen thousand fans watching his his fights in California all the time. And plus, on top of that, for top rank, it would be better because of the difference in their age and uh, the popularity that Ramirez has behind him to match him up with Crawford, to get that American crowd, because uh, Josh Taylor, who gets no no clout in the media, which is, which is terribly disgusting, he wouldn't be able to sell as much against Terence Crawford as uh, Ramirez would be. And plus, uh, Crawford uh, possibly beating I mean, it's it's another story who who would top rank want to win in between Ramirez and Crawford. Maybe it would be Ramirez, but I think that they already already put a lot of effort into promoting Crawford and uh, are still looking on that fight in between him and Spence. So having a good selling fight against Ramirez would help him in negotiations against the others, things like that. Uh, <clears throat> okay. 
now, yeah, like I told you, the fight I can see giving Ramirez in between one and three rounds, not more than that. So they were trying to to rob Taylor, uh, but Bayless, let's go to Bayless and what happened, especially that second knockdown. And I'm going to tell you where the the public is right about Bayless, where they are wrong about. <clears throat> so Bayless, definitely, in my opinion and the opinion of many other people, were put uh, was put there to to try to protect Ramirez. Now, you're going to ask me how when uh, he he created the confusion when the second knockdown happened. Well, it's easy to me to answer. Mm, go watch the old tapes, the old boxing tapes, uh, black and white films, and uh, Intangible could probably confirm this one to me. Uh, I mean, uh, watch the old school fights and how the refs interact with fighters. Very often they would slap down... Um, slap fighters' gloves down, etc. Not breaking them up, but uh, just regulating, regulating the inside fighting without breaking them up. So in that regard, Bayliss was not wrong about what he was doing at all. On the other hand, uh, his bad thing about him is that he's so undecisive when it comes um, when uh, when both fighters are on the inside or in the clinch. So just like uh, in uh, Wilder's fight against Fury, where he was definitely there to help out Wilder if he needed to, but at the same time, he was so confused against Fury because uh, he was so un un undecided on uh, would he let them continue or separate and break them. So in that regard, he was definitely confused about what he should do. Um, but until he says break, etc., I mean, there is no reason to criticize them, uh, to criticize him. But at the same time, like I'm saying, uh, he he wasn't it confused like in that uh, Fury versus Wilder rematch. But technically, nothing wrong with what he was doing. So, and uh, while wow, corruption had good points uh, about that, I mean, I haven't spoke about the, uh, really spoke about fights, uh, this fight, post fight, with corruption. But we exchanged a few words before the fight. Hold on, let me go to to the chat. What's up, Virtuoso? Shout out to you. Good evening. He says, Kenny Bayless was largely neutral in the last sat Saturday's fight, but is he wants to break up the clinch when he has to forcibly break them up, not, not tap them on the arm? Yeah, but like I'm saying, Virtuoso, tapping them on the arm, it's not the first time that it's happening. Go watch the old school fights you're going to see a plenty of those things. The ref regulating fight on the inside in the clinch without separating them. And, uh, but at the same time, 
yeah, he uh, he was confused many times. He's undecided. He doesn't know what to do. What up, unrivaled, unrivaled boxing talk? God bless, gentlemen. Thank you to you too. Good evening, unrivaled, aka Mark. Almost said, uh, aka Max. Uh, yeah, Mark. What's up? Yeah, but technically, despite Kenny Bailey's being undecided and confused when they when they are in the clinch, nothing wrong with what uh, with uh, what he was doing, and I just told you why. So technically, it was nothing wrong that he was doing. Now, where this put um, Taylor on the pound for pound list? I would like to know your opinion. I would say I'm one of those who, if you know me well, you know that I'm not very high on uh, big guys, you know, fighting against the smaller guys. But this fight was was the case of uh, both fighters who, who are fighting at 140, that could fight at 147 even right now if they wanted to and uh, and the both of them are cutting a lot of weight probably to make 140 and so people could say whatever they wanted about um, some some of their previous opponents that were smaller than them but they were also fighting i mean like i'm saying both of them are are big 140 pound fighters alone there's nordic nordic warrior god bless god bless bayless was not confused he was acting as ramirez personal bodyguard and trying not to be too obvious with it yeah yeah i i agree with it but at the same time he was confused because just like in the wilder fury fight many times when uh, when in the clinch when uh, it looked to him as if uh, Fury is endangering Wilder on the inside. He would go to separate them. Then when it looked to him like the situation changed and that uh, there is no danger for Wilder, he would then go um, continue, uh, tell them to continue, you know, to, to, to fight it out of clinch. And uh, it was similar in this fight. Uh, same thing. Um, Taylor has uh, Taylor is in his top five, maybe four. Well, I exchanged a few words with corruption in boxing yesterday. I was too tired to to talk to him about this fight in detail, but we were talking a bit about our pound for pound list, and uh, it and that uh, I have to do another another uh, show changing our pound for pound list for a bit because there was Taylor's fight, there was Chocolatito who was already even before his rematch against Estrada on our pound for pound list. Uh, he won in both of our opinions so you know that we don't give a fuck about the official results that boxing is corrupted. And so we have 
we have to make a few changes, but definitely even before this fight, we had Taylor at number uh, number six. Now, I don't want to go into details what is going to change about this pound for pound list since uh, Taylor's fight this weekend, but I'm just going to remind you what was our, our last, first and last list, uh, but Keep in mind that it is about to change very soon. So we had Estrada, 10th place, 9 Bridis, 8 Baturbiev, 7 Galavkin, 6 Taylor, 5 Chocolatito Gonzalez, 4 Ioka, 3 Yusik, Usik, 2 Loma, and uh, number 1 Inoue. Inoue. Now it is going to change a little bit with uh, Chocolatito's and uh, Josh Taylor's fight. And I'm hoping to make that the show very soon, but there is a lot of things to do. But yeah, watch out for it. Um, Nordic saying Taylor is top five in my opinion, but I don't give a crap about pound for pound. So what do I know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can say it's, I mean, pound for pound lists are nothing official. They're uh, personal opinions. Uh, now, Nordic also saying people are making silly excuses to detract Josh Wynn, protect yourself at all times, all because Ramirez looked away doesn't make it a foul. Taylor dropped him twice fairly. Absolutely, absolutely. And plus to those who never watched um, Taylor's uh, fights, previous fights, or uh, don't have the same knowledge as Corruption and myself, we have... Mm, they haven't seen uh, Taylor fighting fighting on the inside and in the clinches and from the clinches, and that it is a huge game plan, uh, huge part of his game plan when he's fighting. So that's not new. And um, I mean, to your point, Nordic, uh, it's one thing. I mean, I, I've even said on BDA show before the fight because I was there on uh, both of the last shows just before this fight. And in one of them, I was saying that I would expect uh, rough tactics to, to happen from both of them. And every happening is also from Ramirez, but also not as much as from Taylor, because uh, <laughs> Taylor was not letting him get into those situations. So Taylor was doing a great job on the inside but also i'm someone who who paid a lot of attention to ramirez's previous fights and i'm so saddened that i didn't have enough of time to do the film study show just before the fight the day of the fight that i wanted to do because i was about to show you all of that <laughs> it's just ramirez's problem that uh Taylor was too clever that didn't allow him to do what he was doing to the other opponents as well. So, and I have a lot to say about it. People don't know. I mean, people are doing a lot of presuming there. And, uh, and uh, fair enough, I, I used to do that. That's why, that's why I don't like my, my film study videos from even a year ago or longer than that. And that's why I'm going to to delete most of them or make them private, uh, at least. Because back in the day, I used to do the same thing. I mean, 
when I saw something that I didn't quite understand, I would only presume, and I would presume that that's not, not a good skill, etc. But you cannot, if you want to do a good breakdown, you should analyze everything and try to understand the fighter, not just presume, because presuming is going to take you, is going to make you misguided, you know? You're going to... Look, you, you cannot be a fanboy when it comes to, to making a film study. You should try to understand, even if, if a fighter is using... A, doesn't matter which tactic, you, you have to try to do your best to try to understand what they're doing and how they're doing, you know, you get me. Uh, but there are many things to say about it, and I'll get into it later, into clinches, because, I mean, fuck it, let, let's do it right now, Nordic. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to say about clinches, so... I'll give I'll, I'll give it to to, to Taylor. He uh, he was uh, I mean he was clinching even more than than before. But that's nothing new. I mean Taylor's been doing that. And plus on top of that, there is a huge difference in between clinching like Klitschko to to or Floyd Mayweather, where you're just clinching because you don't know how to fight on the inside and. Uh, you would just wait for the refs to, to come in and separate you. Uh, or uh, Andre Ward, who would uh, low blow you and kidney punch you. I mean, uh, even Taylor, yeah, here and there, like I'm saying, he he would do that as well. But so Ramirez would as well. <laughs> Only thing is that Taylor is so superior on the inside that he, he wasn't able to do it to, to Josh Taylor. If you look at his inside fighting, I mean, Taylor almost never go there and clinch just to clinch to, to wait for the referee to separate them. No, he, he he's doing that for a second and he would rarely, you know, uh, hold you and hit you at the same time or he will, he, he will go a bit dirty from from time to time but that's not really what he's doing what he's doing is he he goes to clinch he smothers you and then he he lets you free while he's positioning his um, his uh, gloves and his body and then go to work on the inside because even go go rewatch the fight every single time in this fight when uh he was clinching Ramirez whenever um, Bayless was letting them uh, work it out. He was doing just that. He was never holding on Ramirez, expecting Ramirez, uh, sorry, expecting Kenny Bayless to, to step in and separate them because he's clueless on what he has to do. No, on the contrary, he knew very well what he wanted to do. And on top of that, I told you about. Um, Ramirez some uh, being vulnerable because he's getting sometimes he's getting um, too upright and over his uh, back foot so he has no balance with he, when he's upright he needs to crouch in order to 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 throw his punches and have power 
and be dangerous, he has to crouch, you know, lean a bit forward and throw his punches. That way he needs the room for his punches. But uh, in the clinches, he was ending up upright and off balance. Uh, his legs didn't have uh, a strong connection with with the canvas from where uh, he would get the leverage for punches so he was like uh, like a fish out of water you know um nordic saying uh, hold on in my opinion ramirez was causing the clinches himself taylor was working inside and ramirez was just putting his head on him and waiting for bayless to break them well i i disagree with you nordic but at the same time i see what you're saying i just I just don't fully agree. It was Taylor who was um, stepping in first to, to smother him and clinch him. But you're right on the second part. It, it was Ramirez who was expecting Baylor to, um, Bayless to step in and separate them because he he was unable to do anything serious and any serious work on the inside. But yeah, I get you. You're right on that one. A virtuoso saying, don't let go until the ref forcibly separates you and your opponent. Clinching is legal. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's... Um, I mean, it, 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 it makes you do a lot of critical thinking about that because going by, by the strictest rules... You shouldn't be allowed to clinch, but th there is also a separation in between, you know, whole, I mean, you have from the illegal tactics, you have the, the, the worst possible ones, such as um, low blows, illegal punches, where you're hurting your opponent with the illegal tactics. Um, also, you have too much clinching, you know, so with years, the referees started, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm even, uh, it's, it's probably nonsense because since a long time ago, for a long time, referees been allowing clinching. Well, now, too, um, of course, too much clinching is, is detestable. It's so ugly. I mean, clinching when you're waiting for the referee to separate you because uh, you can you can do anything else, so you're need you're needing the protection from uh, from the referee. Well, that's not what uh, Taylor was doing, and yeah, for 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 my opinion, he still did a lot of that. You know, too much for for my liking. It was that's that's boring, but at the same time, he was looking to to fight on the inside, and uh, in. In, in a few moments, I'll get back to what I was saying on uh, on BDA's po uh, podcast on the episode before the, the the fight. And I can get, you know, people clinching, just waiting to be separated when they're buzzed and hurt. Too much is too much when it's done for nothing. But Josh Taylor was not doing it for nothing. Uh, every single time when he clinched Ramirez, he was looking to, to fight out of it. And um, I mean, 
surely at this point, I mean, it's been decades that the referees are allowing the clenching and fighting out of clinch. So, so it has to, to be allowed in that sense, fighting out of clinch when, when you have uh, inside fighters, short range fighters, fighters, it should be allowed. Definitely. Just like, look, there are some fights where, um, a guy would uh, hurt or, or uh, knock down or out his opponent uh, with with a punch uh, slightly behind the ear, but at the same time, it happens because uh, his opponent is turning his back, things like that, doing something that he's not supposed to do. So, so we are we are accept accepting those things. Same thing here, and I have a lot of things to say about it. I mean, I can I can uh, make ten episodes on the inside fighting and clinching, but there is it's it's subtle. It's it, it's a sm I mean, it's it's a tiny um, it's a thin line, you know, what what should be allowed when it comes to clinching, and what should not be allowed. That's clear to me. Um, hello, what's up, Triple JJJ? Bon Jovi to you as well, bro. Big up to Triple JJJ. Nordic saying, yeah, Taylor is a lot more crafty than people think. His technical skills are very underrated. Yeah, absolutely, Nordic. And uh, for example, to be honest, that's why I uh, I disagree with Precise. And um, he. Uh, Look, he he makes a lot of great points. Always, you know, thinking about uh, outside of the box, and that's why what I like about him. But at the same time, I've been telling people that because sometimes when arguing with with the other uh, people from this boxing community, they would say, "Oh, you imprecise this or that." I'm telling them, "Hold on, you're just doing a lot of presuming." Because uh, yes, I would agree a lot of times with him, but you're completely unaware of just how many times I completely disagree with him. But at the same time, I'm I'm expecting to disagree with him because he's doing a lot of thinking outside of box, but sometimes the thinking is so um, off the top. I, I I don't know how to explain it. Sometimes he's he's doing it too much, where where I clearly disagree with him. But being that I know that uh, he always tries to to thinks to think out of box. I'm not surprised with it, you know. Uh, what up, Apology, Apology Man, a member of BDA family. Shout out to Apology. Good evening to you, bro. Nice to see you again. A virtuoso saying, if you're going to clinch, then clinch until the ref physically separates you from your opponent. A tap on the arm shouldn't be enough to get you to step off. I was surprised by Taylor's second knockdown, but that was a veteran move by him. They teach you to hit upon release from the clinch. Exactly, and man, man, I, I'm I'm so saddened that I was not able to do that film study show because I was showing many inside fighting. How do you say it? A lot of inside fighting tricks and skills from Josh Taylor. Yeah, he would often um, use his strength on the inside, 
but uh, so does Ramirez. But skill-wise, he's much more skilled and uh, has a way better repertoire on the inside. He's he's a so-skilled inside fighter. But yeah, yeah. Uh, to go back to precise and um, hold on, and something that Nordic Warrior was saying. I wanted to say something else. But trying to to find it. Or maybe it was Virtuoso. No, no, Nordic Warrior. Yeah, definitely Nordic. Taylor, despite being a, a big 140-pounder and uh, sometimes using his strength, even in this fight, he, uh, he knows what to do. And um, it's, it's Bayless's fault that he was... Um, when, when he would clinch Ramirez, that he would step in and separate them. Th those were the only moments in the fight where uh, where he clinched until the separation made by by the referee. He he was always looking to to work out of it, not expecting Taylor Bayless uh, to step in. It was Ramirez who was expecting it. Uh, hold on. Apology saying, if enforcement of the rules happened most frequently, we would see this. We wouldn't see as much. The Wilder issue in boxing. Yeah, people do that a lot to justify their poor, poor argument. Official just lumps in, in which just lumps us in with each other. Yeah. I mean, look, the, 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 the thing is, people are doing a lot of presuming. For example, what I wanted to say about Precise and his points, because after this fight, I was um, listening to, to Mark's channel on Rival Boxing Talking News to, to, to hear how he saw the fight. Uh, of course, uh, BDA... Uh, these streams speak your mind, Nordic's video, as well as Precise's. Uh, I'm not sure I, I, I heard them all, but yeah, the, 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 they were very, there were way too, too many disagreements on this fight in between me and Precise. I mean, um, and he, he's one of them that, that, that is doing a lot of presuming because he, his fault with, with him... Uh, analyzing fighters and i saw i've seen this even before when he was uh, doing a study on taylor versus uh, berancic and it's fun funny enough because that same fight watching it for the first time me myself i share the same opinion as precise but it is because i was uh, expecting only textbook punches from uh, from taylor and uh, that was the only thing that i was rating in boxing, you know, so precise have to has to understand that uh, you cannot only throw textbook punches. That's that's the beginner level shit, beginner level shit, because you cannot throw the same punches on the inside, etc. 
it's, I mean, I can give you so, so, so many examples of it. And uh, if you take a look back at uh, my own videos, I mean, if, even I'm seeing some some bad things, and I was I was unaware of uh, what good of a job um, Taylor was doing against Baranchik. Now, Baranchik was extremely well prepared for the Josh Taylor fight, unlike his fight against Zapeda, where he was looking just terrible. Now, yeah, still, even in, uh, in, even in his fight against Josh Taylor, he was a limited fighter, definitely, but he was extremely well prepared, and uh, that's another reason why I'm so sad that I wasn't able to host the show before the fight, to do the film study and show you what I've been seeing from Taylor. Uh, when re-watching Taylor's fights, I've seen that he's so skilled on the inside. Yeah, he would slap uh, sometimes, etc. You can even make a case that he he's doing that so much. Yeah, but on the other hand, there are many skills that that went unseen by uh, by the other YouTubers. So it's just because uh, he, uh, I don't know how to explain it, doesn't like what, what he sees, so he's presuming and uh, not, not doing enough of, uh, not trying to, to understand what the what fighter is doing. I mean, but anyways, um, the next thing. <clears throat> Ben Davison. Yeah, so I have a lot more than a few points to make about my appearances on the the last two BDA shows that were both about this fight in between Taylor and Ramirez. One of them was um, on the very last show when asked who has a, a better corner. I was saying that Ramirez's team definitely has much more experience than uh, Ben Davison. But that for this fight, I'm picking picking Ben Davison. That he would help um, Josh Taylor. And in my opinion, he helped him a lot. And I'll get into it. But right before that, apologies saying... Even Baranchik did well. Taylor had to adapt and start fighting. Furthermore, Taylor is making the necessary improvements to become a better boxer. He just needs Taylor to stop clinching so so much. Well, yeah, I, I get your point. Uh, apology and uh, especially when we are talking about that fight in between Taylor and Baranchik. Go take a look uh, at Baranchik's offense. Yeah, he's a he's a much more limited fighter than Taylor is, but he was defensively very well, excellently prepared. Every time Josh Taylor would uh, would get to to a blind angle, uh, Baranchik would uh, pivot with him and uh, in in the opposite direction and step out many good things that he was doing defensively. Uh, yeah, apologies saying Ben Davison needs to teach uh, Taylor to stop clinching. Yeah, but in, the, in this fight, it helped him. And um, 
Well, yeah, for the sake uh, of us boxing fans, it's definitely more enjoyable for uh, for the fight, the flow of the fight to be undisrupted. By, but as long as the referees are allowing it and uh, as long as it's not done excessively in a sense that he's not uh, doing that just to for the referee to step in and separate him and his opponent, uh, I see no problem with it. But at the same time, I get your point, but I cannot fully agree, man. Uh, as long as he's looking to work out of clinch. That's why I'm... I'm repeating myself all over and over with, with the difference in between him and... Uh, Klitschko and uh, Floyd Mayweather. Nordic saying, I watched Taylor Baranchik today. It was actually more one-sided than I remember when I first watched it. I had it close. Same for me. Same for me, Nordic. And I thought that... Uh, I even thought that uh, Baranchik won more rounds, but that uh, Taylor's knockdowns decided the fight. You know, but upon rewatching it, I've seen something. And oh, when I was analyzing the fight, doing preparing my film study for this fight, I was seeing uh, Josh Taylor doing a lot of great work. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Baranchik was doing a lot of good things, was being competitive, and Baranchik's counterpunching was very good in that fight, but it was a clear victory, competitive yet clear victory for uh, for Josh Taylor in that fight, wasn't nowhere near as close. So to that point, Nordic, you know, his fight, his, uh, his fight uh, against uh, Regis Progray, you remember that I was the one that I had that had um, Progray winning the fight. Well, true, I, I, I rewatched that fight a couple of times, but it was just days after the fight happened. So I'm wondering if I went back to score this fight again in between Taylor and Progray, maybe I would change my mind because uh, doing my film study, I was not scoring it, but I was seeing a lot of good work from Taylor on the inside that I missed watching it live or rewatching it a couple of times, uh, just days after the fight, you know. Apology saying, do you think Ben Davison is playing possum, purposely acting the fool to hide his true intentions? In what sense do you mean, Apology? I'm I'm trying to, to understand what you're saying, but in, in what sense? But right now I'm going... So, so explain me that one, apologies, uh, so so I can try to understand what you're saying and uh, try to answer, give you my thoughts. Nordic saying, yeah, the Progre fight was very close. Well, yeah, if it, it was close, extremely competitive. In my opinion, it was I had it uh, as a fight of the year, slightly over the Inuit Donner fight, and many people are telling me that I'm crazy for that. But I don't know, I, I just enjoyed the fight so much. Yeah, but I was I was repeating all over and over that I had a program winning that fight. And maybe it would it would still be the case even over even I when I rewatch that fight right now, but I'm not sure. I'm very open at the possibility of changing my mind and possibly having Taylor winning that fight after all, after uh, 
me saying that Progre won that fight for for, for a year or two. <laughs> Nordic saying Progre was the hardest fight Taylor had by far. Yeah, yeah, I agree with it. Uh, well, you know, it's uh, for a reason that uh, many of us were kind of not, not really disappointed because this was still a very good fight on the paper in between him and Ramirez. But we were kind of disappointed that this fight happened um, after the Progre fight because for most of us, the real fight for the Undisputed should should be in Taylor versus, uh, versus Progre. What's up, Max Kackerman? Let's see Taylor Crawford. I give Taylor a 50-50 shot. He has a better chin than Crawford. What's up, TMT? High scorecard. Hello. Bonsoir. Bonsoir, TMT. Uh, I think Taylor can beat Crawford. He just needs to improve his technique a bit. Well... You know me, you know me, you know me, and you know that I hate to to give my predictions with before doing any film study. So yeah, I've been uh, seeing this all over the internet, but I'm not sure, and I'm I'm refusing to even think about it. I want to you know to take some time to do my prediction. I'm doing my film studies, but yeah, I don't see no reason that Taylor can cannot beat Crawford. Even the other way around, I can see Crawford winning against Taylor. Um, there are many reasons on both sides. Now, I would have to really think about it and rewatch their um, their fights before giving you my own opinion. Apology. My point is everyone saying Ben Davison is a bad trainer. However, he made improvements to Taylor and Taylor gives him credit for making him a better fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do agree with you to to surprise of many people and apology if you if you listen to to the very last episode of BDA uh, right before this fight that's what I said I said that I do expect uh, in this fight Ben Davison to be a better cornerman than uh, than Robert Garcia and uh, BG for uh, for Ramirez to surprise of many people uh, because. It's the way that, uh, from at least from what I've been able to see from Ben Davison, uh, it's the way he studies, analyzes the fighters, his own fighters, as well as uh, their opponents. And yeah, indeed, he's inexperienced, and uh, there are some, uh, you know, some bad things I'm seeing from Ben Davison, but. Uh, from what I've seen, as far as now, from uh, from his uh, from his work, he's extremely good at uh, finding the looking for tendencies of his fighters' opponents and uh, setting up. I would say good game plans, but at the same time, it's his inexperience that you know. That's shown in the first fight between Wilder and Fury, and I was definitely one of them who said that Roach was indeed right, that uh, Tyson sh should have went forward against Wilder and go to short range. Uh, so it tells you that he's very defensively minded and kind of 
close-minded that he's defense first but cannot see that uh, it can be better many times it can be better for for a fighter in in certain situations to to go forward or to go for the stoppage Max saying, I think Taylor could have finished Ramirez, but Davison told him to coast. See, I was not listening. I was not listening to to the corners in between the rounds, but I heard that. So I, I don't know if, first of all, I don't know if it was uh, Ben Davison who told him that for sure. But even without it, you can guess that it was uh, Davison's game plan. Yeah, that's that's true, and th- that was something that I wanted to mention, Max. Uh, so I agree. I was uh, I was kind of disappointed that uh, Taylor didn't went because the second knockdown happened near the end of the round. So the very next round, the, the very next two rounds, Ramirez's punching power disappeared completely his work rate disappeared as well so taylor should have went for uh for the kill uh, but yeah he was still trying to throw punches but he he wasn't as dangerous and it would be the smartest thing for taylor to to step in and uh, try to knock him out and yeah i do agree with uh with, with you on that one max um it was probably the, the corner's fault, and once again, it's when uh, it's where it shows you that these such moments, in such moments, that Ben Davidson is doing a bad thing, you know, not pushing for a stoppage. Uh, hold on, I. But but I have a lot of notes that I that I took about uh, Ben Davidson that I wanted to talk about. Hold on, let me let me find them. Uh, where is? Yeah, so uh, Max, to your point, I do agree that it's him preventing uh, Taylor. Probably him. I mean, I haven't heard him saying that explicitly to Taylor because I was not uh, listening to the coroner's advices. But even be, uh, without that, I can guess that it was the, the, the case that it was uh, Ben Davison who, who would have suggested to him that he should be careful, but he was too careful. And I, I agree with you on that one. But the second knockdown show you that that Davison uh, also knows, you know, is able of a lot of things because I, I was not listening to to the corner's advices, but at the same time, I heard many times that someone, well, many people said on the internet that it was Davison who, who told Taylor in between rounds about um, Jose Ramirez squaring up on the clinches on the inside. And... Uh, I don't know if it happened before the in between the sixth and the seventh round or even earlier, but you could clearly see Taylor from the way he knocked him down in this uh, with that second knockdown. 
Hold on, I have I have some notes. Yeah, also um, before the last two, uh, so so two BDA episodes before uh, before the fight. Not the very last, but the previous one. No, fuck. I I'm, I'm confused. Sorry, sorry. The very last one. So there were there were some talks about chin and power, and I said that about the chins, I'm undecided, and that at the same time I know that um, Ramirez was dropped, but uh, Taylor, uh, I don't think that he was ever dropped. And um, yeah, people were picking Ramirez having a better chin. In that sense, I in, in my in my defense, I had to say that uh, I'm comparing it chin and power at the same time. Who would take whose power better? And uh, even despite me even saying that, I would not be surprised. Uh, if Taylor doesn't outbox him, that he could stop him. At the same time, I was seeing that taking full force punches from each other, that um, I would give an advantage to to Jose Ramirez be because he may have uh, such uh, slightly slightly worse chin being knocked down, but that. I rate his his punching power higher than uh, Taylor's, so maybe I was I was wrong about that one. But the thing that made change in that in that regard was uh, Taylor and his defense, him switching ranges and uh, his defense. So I would still say because it was not look. Uh, we are not talking about. Um, a face lap competition where you stand with your hands down and you are allowing your opponent to slap you as hard as possible. Uh, so if that was the case, I would say Ramirez would be the winner because uh, I do think that he punches, he has an excellent punching power while he has stamina, you know, and while he's able to get the full extension on his punches, on his hooks, things like that, and uh, even the overhand right. But it was uh, Taylor's defense that prevented him from uh, from you know from uh, from Ramirez landing cleanly all night of him. It's like R Ruslan Prodnikov, um, Ruslan Provodnikov, who with Patrick Rover should have an excellent knockout ratio, but was just uh, a bit too limited when it comes to his skills and setting up those knockouts. So that's why he had uh, a great punching power, but wasn't just able to to set up those punches to get a knockout. You get what I'm saying? So that's why I, I, I really thought that Ramirez is a harder puncher than than Taylor. Plus, when uh, Taylor was dropping him, he was. Uh, it was about his timing, his speed, and counter punches. Because, uh, especially the first knockout, knockdown. Sorry. And the second knockdown, 
Ramirez didn't see it, wasn't expecting it. Also, on just one BDA episode earlier than that, the episode that was previous to the last episode before the fight, I said that Taylor should stay on the outside and go in and out. And uh, that's where Ben Davison could help him if he follows the game plan, as Davison is paying a huge importance to film studies. And he knew Ramirez's main range, his mid-range, that uh, he gets easily pissed up from the outside as well, that he's good on the inside, but mostly at the situations he does the drills for in the training camp. You get me what I'm saying? Um, Ramirez does a lot of good drills with footwork and inside fighting, inside fighting, uh, mid-range fighting, sorry, man. But that's just about it. He's not really clever when, as clever as Josh Taylor is. And um, hold on, what else I wanted to say? I'm looking at my notes. Yeah, but uh, Ramirez is not quick enough as Taylor is and needs the room for his punches and Taylor is quicker on the inside as well. Despite already seeing Taylor doing all of... Uh, um, doing a lot of good job on the inside plenty of times. From what I heard, Davison supposedly told him that Ramirez is always squaring up on the inside, which brings me to Corruption's point. Um, uh, corruption and me, we, we spoke about the fight before the fight and uh, Corruption was the one who, who told me that uh, Taylor is going to piss him up on the inside as well probably because on the inside uh, Ramirez is keeping his, his head on at the middle, you know and he's squaring up and uh, he's trying to put his head on his opponent's chest right down the middle. And uh, I told him that that's exactly what I've seen from him when he was fighting on the inside against Hooker, I think, uh, because um, he showed some very good inside skills against Hooker. But I could tell that those were, um, you know, he... He's not a natural inside fighter. He's more of, of a mid-range fighter and uh, does the, the worst damage at mid-range. The good things that he does on the inside are thanks to, to drills that he's drilling uh, in the camp, in training. And yeah, I, I agreed with, uh, with Corruption. And then there was also Ben Davison who, who saw it in the fight supposedly said it to Taylor plus to be to be frank um, even without Ben Davison saying the thing to Taylor about um, Ramirez's tendency to square up on the inside and in the clinches that was something that Josh Taylor has been doing the whole time throughout his career inside fighting you know um, clinching then, opening up, working out on the inside. 
Um, also, wo uh, working out of clinches was smart for Taylor, as that's when Ramirez was upright and without proper balance, like I told you earlier, uh, to, I don't know, I was speaking to, to Nordic Warrior. And um, it's just the same way like, uh, like when I explained on BD show that Ramirez... Um, is too upright when he's defending from straight punches, from uh, jabs, double jabs, one twos. He would uh, he would move back, you know. Uh, he would defend from the first punch by by trying to block it with his guard high in front of him while moving back, and then uh, finish finish on his back foot over his back foot and too upright for. Uh, for the st second straight punch coming at him so he was he was too upright ending upright and uh, some, something similar was happening in the clinch as well on the inside and um, on the other hand like i told to to max it looks it was um, Davison's mistake that he didn't push for the stoppage in the rounds following the second knockdown, which shows you that Davison is still a bit close-minded when it comes to, to his approach to boxing, that, that he's always safety first. But being that he's only 28 years old, I would expect him to, 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 to become aware of it in the future and change it as he adds up more experience on, uh, you know, on his belt. So I would say he's a, he's a very promising and talented trainer because I, I, I would even say that he does a lot more film analysis and um, he takes his film studies serious. When it comes to, to his fighter's opponent or his own fighters, he does that a lot. So, and um, I, I do think it's ex extremely, extremely important. Now, there are fights like this one and the Fury Wilder fight where at the same time it shows that he lacks some, some actual experience, you know. And uh, Ben Davison, Definitely isn't without without a fault, but I would expect him to to get better. And uh, there was even a couple of shows before this fight when corruption was still on. I said that people are going to be too surprised by Davison that that they're criticizing him too much. Although, yeah, he 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 did deserve some criticism, but. I was seeing a lot of good work from him. Um, now, I expected the robbery as well, so the scorecards, in my opinion, confirm it. I was betting on a, on a robbery. It's just that uh, those two knockdowns were too much to, to rob Taylor, so good for him. Um, I was kind of expecting Ramirez to have a bit more success offensively, and uh, I wasn't expecting Taylor to perform, uh, to have such a disciplined performance. I was really impressed with it. I was kind of expecting Ramirez to have a bit more, uh, a bit more success offensively, but yeah, one of 
one of the things that I was expecting from him was to land his right uppercut more often. And he was landing some of them, some of them being very, very good punches, but not nearly as enough as I expected. <clears throat> the reason where I thought he could have some serious success with his right uppercut was when Taylor is, he, uh, because he tends to lean over his back foot very often, especially after jabbing, you know, but it looks that it's Taylor footwork that was more disciplined, even more disciplined than I expected him to be. Despite me saying that the best thing uh, for Taylor would be to box in and out and uh, step on the inside only when Ramirez opens up. and uh, Because uh, Ramirez's punches are telegraphed. And that's where, that's where the textbook punches, all the talk about the textbook punches is coming in. Uh, look, Ramirez's punching technique... You can say it's better than uh, than Taylor's because it's a textbook. He's a textbook fighter, you know. He he throws his punches textbook like in a book, you know. So from that point, it's great. But he's telegraphing telegraphing them too much that way. There is always the right moment for, for for all of these punches even the textbook punches but you cannot throw a textbook punch at short range no way no way that's why i i get what Duryanchenko is doing what lomachenko is doing on the inside what taylor is doing on the inside man i had so so many great clips to show you for the for the film study um Yeah, I just thought that there would be more moments where Taylor would be taken into a dogfight, staying on the inside during the exchanges. So that's where he surprised me a bit. But at the same time, I'm not surprised because on the BDA show, on one of them, I, I said that Ben Davison's tactics would help him because my, my line of thinking was he will make him sharp and going in and out and uh, uh, striking from the outside with straight punches. I wasn't expecting him to be as good on the outside and as effective. I was I was expecting him because before Taylor was doing uh, one thing that uh, and uh, one more example where Ben Davison helped him. I would say uh, Taylor before with his uh, when he was fighting on uh, on the outside he would usually throw too many feints and uh, slight jabs to get on the inside and i was thinking that he couldn't get, he can't get countered easily that way when he gets timed when his opponents see that he's stepping in behind either slight jabs i mean uh how do you call it, soft jabs or jab feints that they would have no problem uh, countering him with with straight and hard straight punches, you know, because it would be easy to time. 
but this time he was fighting, uh, he was punching with authority from the outside. And it's not like he never did it before, but my criticism on the BDA show of Taylor was, well, well first of all, to go to, go to Ramirez. I told you that contrary to Ramirez, who doesn't have a very diverse jab and only uses a power jab to step to mid-range right behind it or use powerful up jab to get from outside to a blind angle at mid-range. Uh, on the other hand, my criticism of Taylor was totally opposite. And it means that, uh, in my opinion, he was using too many soft jabs and jab feints stepping in from the outside. And I believe that he could be countered with uh, hard straight counters thrown through the target, you know. And uh, what else is there to say? Yeah, I just didn't expect... I was expecting Ben Davison to try and make uh, Josh Taylor fight fight a more disciplined fight from the outside and going in and out. I was just not expecting Taylor to stick of it as well. On the other hand, like, like we already said, an argument could be made that uh, it was a mistake that he didn't go for a kill after the second knockdown because for the whole two rounds, if not two, at least one whole round after the knockout, you can see that Ramirez didn't have punching power left for the moment. And plus knowing that many of us were expecting a robbery and I would say that Taylor and his team should have been expecting a robbery. It was a bad thing not to go for a, for a stoppage. Oh, what else is there? Yeah, I probably told you that I certainly said it on uh, BDA that I expected rough tactics from both of them in the clinch. Not only from Taylor, as anyone studying Ramirez could see that he does them too. It's just that he was not able to do it in this fight because as much as in some of his previous fights, despite trying them, he was not able to do it because... Um, with Taylor, as Taylor is more skilled on the inside than himself. And so, oh, hold on. Just give me a second. My PC is bugging again. Then just give me a second to set up a thumbnail. Fuck, I have to restart my PC. Okay, so while I'm waiting for uh, for my PC to restart, let me go through your comments, guys. Uh, where was I? Hold on, hold on. I am almost there. Okay, I read that comment from Apology. Apology saying, furthermore, it's not necessarily Davison fault. Fury fought like above. <laughs> that, that one as well. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. 
Max Kuckerman seeing Davis on advice lost Taylor the last couple of rounds. But you know what? Even at the same time, even with oh, even with Taylor taking the rounds of, I could easily make the case that Taylor won uh, won some of those fights, uh, some of those rounds where he was uh, the ones that that he was, you know, deciding to rest because he was doing much better work, and uh, in the. If I did a punch count for that fight, I can bet that even the the rounds that you guys gave to, or even I gave to Ramirez, there were all close rounds in regard to to the amount of scored punches. Um, oh man. I hate Microsoft. Anyways. And you know what? You know what else, Max? I thought that uh, near the end of the fight, uh, Taylor Taylor was kind of tired. So maybe maybe that too. That, that is also... Maybe that's also why he... He chose the coast, and I said it again on BDA because I have a lot of points that I made on BDA show on the last two shows. I said that I've seen, uh, I mentioned his fight against Progray, that he was moving around too much and clinching against Progray in the last round, as well as uh, the Victor Postal fight, you know. But I forgot to mention another fight, and it was the Borenchik fight. He was doing the same thing in, uh, in the last round. So it's clearly Taylor's tendency not to work a lot in, uh, in the very last round or uh, a few last rounds of the fight. I mean, yeah, he was fighting against... Uh, the thing for me in that fight in between him and Postal, he he was not coasting in that uh, in that fight in the eleventh and, and the twelfth round. He was fighting, but I saw that he lost snap in his punches. Uh, he was kind of winded in in those last two rounds against Postal. <sighs> Hold on, let me go to the other comments. Uh, Max Kuckerman uh, saying Davison nearly got Fury knocked down, knocked out. Well, yeah, that that was Ben Davison suggesting to Tyson to to stay on the outside, where uh, where when there is uh, much more opportunity for Wilder to get the ex extension for that straight right hand. Yeah, and and I was agreeing with, uh, I I do agree with you and uh, Freddie Roach. He should have went on the inside to the inside, as he did later after right after the second knockdown, and was pissing Wilder up. I do agree on that one. 
Sina Musia. Hello, my friend. Hello. <laughs> Hello. What's up? Yeah, by the way, big up to both Sina Musia as well as Diego Bandido because when the times uh, time comes to either talk about the Donaire fight or rather, no, I'll rather do it when I talk about the Casimero fight, Casimero versus um, Ringendau, Ringendau fight. <coughs> Excuse me. I asked Diego Bandido and seen a few questions about uh, all the things that happened in between uh, Inoue and Casimero, where I falsely believed that Casimero was was the one ducking that fight after after it being cancelled because of the COVID restrictions and whatever whatever happened. And I will have to to read the comments from uh, mostly Diego Bandido, my my conversation with Diego Bandido, but as well as uh, what Sin was saying in that same conversation because I was I was having a small chat with them two guys and uh, I will issue and I mean I'm doing it right now I'm issuing an excuse to John Real Casimero for saying multi on multiple occasions on this show at least two times I remember saying that I was disappointed with Casimero that he ducked Inoue but no from from the things that I was able to gather from from them too and uh, indeed, yeah, they, they are both Filipinos, but they gave me some precious informations that I was completely unaware of. So, yeah, if anyone ducked, I don't feel like anyone ducked anyone, but if anyone between them two ducked, you can you can make a much better case. It was Inoue, although um, to be realistic, Inoue was at no fault. It was uh, just some barbarum fuckeries fuckeries from barbarum you know okay so share the screen i'm almost there and yeah the thumbnail is back yeah so big thanks to diego bandido as well as sina musia for uh, clearing some things up for me and i will read those comments, that conversation in between three of us very soon when uh, when I make the episode on Casimero and Rikendau. Hopefully I would have time to, to do a film study. It would be a great occasion. Uh, by the way, hold on. What's up to Matthews Lise? Uh, sorry if I'm butchering, butchering your name, Matthews. It's... Uh, Mateus Lise, right? Anyways, he's saying any comments about Spence Pac-Man or another question is, do you think Taylor can beat Crawford? Yeah, Sp uh, Spence Pac-Man. I mean, uh, I, I have to, 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 to think about it a bit because um, just like to you and many others, it was a big surprise to myself, so I'm I'm completely. I don't know what to think about it yet. I have to take some time and uh, clear up my thoughts on that fight. Yeah, but uh, the things seem 
that fight seems very exciting and crazy from Pacquiao, but that's why he's the Don. He's an absolute Don. Um, what I can say about that fight, uh, Matthias, is that at the same time, I like that fight. I like uh, I like Pacquiao showing his humongous balls. I even made a comment on Twitter saying that during his ring walk for, for the Spence fight, uh, <laughs> Crawford should go right behind him, pushing a stroller just to, you know, to help get his balls in the ring <laughs> because those balls are so huge, man. <laughs> now, Crawford and Taylor... I mean, again, I have to do my film study, but uh, Matthias, I can see, I can clearly see, I can clearly give both of them beating each other for, for different reasons. Uh, do I think that, that Taylor stands a chance against Crawford? Yes, I do. I fucking do. Do I think that Crawford stands a chance against uh, Taylor? Yeah, I fucking do as well for the different reasons, but I have to, you know, I hate going uh, from the top of my dome. I want to do my film study and show show, show it all to you on, uh, on the screen, as well as think about the politics, because, I mean, let's not get into it right now. Um, Padja saying Taylor doesn't seem to fight at mid-range at all. He either moving around a distance or go toe to toe in close. Uh, you know what, Padja? Uh, he certainly didn't do a lot of mid-range fighting for this fight, which was very clever for him, in my opinion. From him, in my opinion, but uh, he was doing, he was doing, he was doing just that in his previous fights. He was mixing up, uh, he was staying much more in the pocket. And so using his, transferring his upper body front and back, shifting it over his front and back foot, he would often mix up mid-range and inside fighting. Um, so yeah, I would say he was doing it more. I would not say that he doesn't do it completely at all completely. He does it, but in this fight, there was definitely not a lot of mid-range fighting from uh, from Taylor, which was extremely smart, in my opinion, again. What up, Andre Rodriguez? What's up, everyone? What's up to you, Andre? Nice to see you again. Hello, good evening. Mm. Oh, yeah, so Mateus is confirming that uh, I was indeed pronouncing his name and surname the right way. Sina Musia saying, no one ducked. It's just the shaky old bug. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And Sina Musia, keep in mind, uh, it's a guy, it's a Filipino who's living and working in Japan. And he brought up some excellent point in that conversation that I had between him, me, and uh, Diego. And uh, wow, I cannot wait to, to go into it. But anyways, Excuses, my excuses to, to Gianriel Casimero. I mean, from what I've seen, for now at least, 
he was not ducking Inoue at all, and I cannot wait to, to get into it. Um, Mateo is saying it's like Mateo's... Oh, fuck it! <laughs> Mateo's. Mateo's. So it's not Matthews, it's Mateo's. Kind of like, uh, kind of like the nineties um, German soccer football player. Uh, what was his name? Lothar, uh, Lothar Matthäus. Oh, yeah, yeah, Lothar, Lothar Matthäus. <laughs> yeah, but let me see if there are any other points that I wanted to make about this fight. Yeah, I already addressed uh, how if he didn't score those no uh, two knockdowns, that he would have probably lost that fight by a robbery. But anyways, let me, uh, guys, give me just 30 seconds. I'm going to mute myself. I'm going to drink some water and I'll be right back to, to talk with you and to, to make just a few more points about this fight. Okay, I'm back. Sorry for that, guys. <clears throat> Let me see. I'm going through my notes once again. Yeah, I spoke about the faints. Hmm, uh, I can say that... Uh, a few more points that I made on BDA show on, before the last BDA show, before the fight. Um, the things that I've seen uh, Zepeda using against Ramirez in their fight, well, Taylor was doing the same thing as well on, from the outside. And uh, yeah, I was right about it. Man, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I was right about many other things. And uh, man, if I only had enough of time to to do this film study before the fight, but it is what it is, man. 
Oh, we have L Dog, L Dog. Big up. Uh, I'm surprised Bob didn't have a heart attack when his <laughs> his plans were ruined. Great breakdown, official. Thank you a lot, bro. Thank you a lot. Yeah, indeed. I mean, we we all know that. I mean, the fact that that Ramirez is saying the right things that basically he shares the same opinion as as Bob Arum on the things happening in the world. It's just a minor thing. A bigger thing is that he's a big ticket seller. He's a younger fighter. He he has more crowd crowd behind him. And you simply know that Ramirez was I mean Bob was pissed off. He was he was salty man. He was saying that uh, the scorecards were right that those those two knockdowns decided the winner, which is a BS BS. Uh, Mateus, do you think Crawford ducked Pac-Man? I'm look. You know what? You can love me or hate me. But from the looks of it, it looks like Crawford didn't want this fight, uh, you know. I'm wondering why he, he refused to, to sign the contract, saying there was no money. No money was shown to him and his team. Well, uh, the same money wasn't shown to Pacquiao and his team neither, but uh, Pacquiao was the one who, who signed the contract. So what the fuck is happening? So it, it looks like Crawford was the one who, who didn't want to, to, to sign the fight. And anyways, Bob Aaron being interviewed right after this fight in between Josh Taylor and Ramirez, he was the one saying that he was he wanted that fight to happen at in the Middle East as well. So he wanted that fight to happen in uh, I cannot remember the, the name of the country. It's not Qatar. It's not Saudi Arabia. I mean, uh, I think he said, was it in Dubai or whatever? I don't know. But um, first I thought that it was Pacquiao's, Pacquiao's team plan to have it in Mideast, Middle East. But Arum was at least agreeing with that fight in between uh, between. Pacquiao and Crawford going to Middle East, so it was not uh, it was not like uh, Pacquiao's team was uh, was the only one who who was organizing the fight, etc. So Bob Arum was the one uh, who wanted to, that fight to happen in the Middle East. At least uh, that's what he's saying. Now, did he really want to to, to stage that fight there? where uh, he would not have uh, the same power as he would have in that fight happening in the US. I mean, uh, yeah, clearly he, he wouldn't be able to get the money. You know, he would be at a bigger risk of losing his money staging that fight in the US, being that he would be the backer of the fight. Uh, but... 
and it's it's about money after all but at the same time look i don't know man i don't know how to how to explain what i'm trying to say but yeah there there's something weird going on with Pacquiao signing the fight and uh, Crawford not signing the contract and uh, well well i'm at it mateus i would say that I'm 100% sure about Crawford ducking Pacquiao five years ago, six years ago. I mean, there are three different things that uh, that came from that camp. And I, I do like Crawford after all, believe it or not. I do like him as a fighter. I do like many things that he's doing. I think that he's very skilled. I don't think that uh, him not fighting good opponents is all his fault but a lot of it is his fault and uh, yeah oh what is crazy is uh, those people who are defending crawford and uh, top rank bob Arum, they're saying some nonsense that it was pacquiao who ducked him which is a complete nonsense i'm one of those who remembers crawford right after beating Postel, saying that, yes, I want to fight Pacquiao, we can fight, but Pacquiao has to move down to 140 and come to, to my weight class to fight me. What the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? Um, Bob Arum admitting in 2016 that he doesn't want to, to, to stage a fight between Pacquiao and Crawford yet because he his own matchmakers think that that fight would be extremely risky for um, for Crawford, that they don't have confidence Crawford would beat Pacquiao at that point. Um, so, yeah, as, as, so yeah, he definitely ducked Pacquiao five, six years ago. And from the looks of it, he also ducked him a month ago. Um, Eldog saying, I loved Taylor's pull counter, shot selection and placement. He really digs in with the knuckles and places them in the right spots. Yeah, Eldog, he was extremely accurate. Accuracy from him, I mean, uh, he's been an accurate puncher. But man, this was, he was extremely sharp and... Uh, yeah, that pull counter, especially, and uh, not only the first knockdown, uh, El Dog right. I'm sure you you've seen many other left hand counters from uh, pull counters from Taylor. He was countering with with his left uppercut to the body, straight left to the body, straight left upstairs of the pull counter. Yeah, yeah, because. Um, the thing, yeah, his timing and his accuracy were were excellent in this fight, and that's why I, I thought that Ben Davison would help him because you see with Ben Davison that he likes to he he's to it's really important to him to to keep his fighters very sharp in the exchanges when it comes to timing things like that and uh, uh, counters. He was countering, yeah, many times, pulling back when uh, when Ramirez was looking to step in with punches. He would just uh, wait there 
uh, leaning throw the uppercut to the body left uppercut or straight left or even uh, even from the up I mean many he was countering him in many different ways he was so so on point so sharp I like this performance from uh, from Taylor very much I do agree with you, old dog. He's also saying Taylor's liver shots was on point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, body shots with the left hand. I just, I just spoke about him. He was throwing a forty-five degree angle and really digging his knuckles in. Yeah, yeah. Plus, the thing is, for, um, him throwing those punches from the outside, stepping from the outside, and or countering Ramirez coming in, he had more room uh, for his punches uh, to throw a straight punch or uh, dig with those knuckles instead of uh, slapping some of his punches and his hooks. But also, it's okay that that slapping it's it's a part of setting up his punches that many people are missing uh, so but yeah sometimes he he would slap in some of his previous fights even when uh, he he doesn't intend on slapping yeah dog just like you're saying bob wanted the mexican versus black rivalry uh, rivalry to big bit to build crawford oh man i need need more water man Uh, yeah, I do agree with you, L-Dog. I just spoke about it earlier, like half an hour ago, earlier. Uh, 116-110 or 118-108, Taylor, anything in that range seems reasonable to me. And I do agree with you, L-Dog. I said that I could give Taylor, sorry, not Taylor, Jose Carlos Ramirez from one to three rounds. <laughs> well, oh, John Gonzalez, what's up? What's up, John? Thank you for being here. Big up to John Gonzalez. Oh, oh, once again, guys, I mean, as I've said, I said it plenty of times, but uh, John Gonzalez and um, Reversely, man, uh, I like so much listening to them, especially on uh, the second Renaissance show. Uh, that's, I guess, all of you know, but BDA's second channel, second Renaissance, where uh, where they talk about many things. It's not about boxing. It's everything other that, that's happening in the world, but boxing. They, they are hilarious. Um, apology saying, also just watched the Taylor versus Ramirez fight again. I agree more with what Gonzalo said on, on the BDA. Furthermore, the fight was kind of close. I don't see the supposed domination. <laughs> apology, what the fuck is that? Correct me officially. <laughs> apology, that's like Canelo. Uh, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, but apology, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't see it that way. I mean, fair enough, if you if you saw it that way, man, I would say 
if you really want to push it uh, four rounds from uh, for Ramirez, my opinion. Look, even uh, even Andre Rodriguez, he he had it much closer than that. So basically, uh, without the knockdowns, it would be seven to five. Andre had uh, seven rounds to five. Oh no 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 no. No, he had uh, six rounds for uh, for Taylor, five for Ramirez with with one round even plus two knockdowns. Right, Andre? Well, it's extremely too close, too close for my liking. I'm sticking to to top rank and Bob Arum trying to rob Taylor. But fair enough, it's, if that's your opinion. But I, I, what I'm seeing, what I'm seeing is too many punches, too many flurries from uh, from Ramirez over missing. But yeah, he was indeed also landing some some excellent punches at mid range. But and I also think you know I kind of think that uh, many times. Uh, People were just comparing Taylor's previous dominant rounds with those rounds that were that were closer, and uh, ignoring excellent job uh, from Taylor in those rounds. Andre saying, "I heard Ben Davison is with Haney now. Not know if that is official or not. I don't know if it's official neither, Andre. But I heard the same thing. Yeah, so." Yeah, he's with Haney now. It's interesting. Um, one interesting thing that that is not really about the fight, but um, I spoke with Gonzalo about it on the last two BDA episodes. Um, uh, both times, uh, Gonzalo. But by the way, shout out to Gonzalo. Uh, he was mentioning Taylor's gloves that they were looking uh, bigger than his opponent's gloves in his fights. And uh, I addressed one part of it, but uh, I forgot to say, to to add something else to it. I mean, I, I, I told him that first, uh, in my opinion, it's because he's always wearing white gloves. So white gloves would uh, would look way bigger than the other gloves. And Taylor always wears the white gloves um, because Gonzalo, he, he was saying that uh, to him, for some reason, it was looking like... Uh, Taylor gloves were always the bigger ones in the ring. So I told him that I reminded people of some of Bradley's fights, one or two fights from Bradley and some other fighters where they were wearing uh, the white gloves. They seemed much bigger. But not only that, is that uh, I think that Taylor is wearing um, Probably Everless gloves, or I don't know, but I'm sure they're probably punching the puncher's gloves. So the thing with puncher's gloves is that they're puffier. They're looking puffier. If if you take um, if you take the gloves like Grant's that Floyd Mayweather was using, um, you you can see that their their form is different. You know, um, those not horehair. Not horehair gloves, but 
those gloves that are anatomic, the, that are more about protecting, you know, protecting the hands instead of having a horse hair. Their form is, I, I don't know, they, they look smaller because the padding, because the padding doesn't move from uh, from the knuckle. So there is there is not a there is not a lot of room for uh, for the padding to move in the inside of the glove. Plus, uh, it's all uh, synthetic shit that that you know that doesn't move in the glove. While um, the partridge gloves, especially uh, you know, well the horsehair gloves, it's moving around, and that's why uh, the fighters are trying to 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 break them in to break the gloves, uh, especially on the knuckles. So that's why the material inside of the glove is moving around, thus uh, making them puffier. Uh, you can even see that with... Uh, I, I, I believe, I do believe you can see the same thing in the um, uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez versus Estrada rematch where uh, Chocolatito's gloves uh, were looking puffier, very puffy. Those were the yellow gloves, golden, golden gloves, not the white ones, but... You could you could you could see that they were looking puffier because uh, that that horsehair is moving around around the gloves and is being pushed from uh, from uh, from the knuckles in the to the finger parts of the glove. I mean, Andre, to, to get back to Ben Davis and working with um, with Devin Haney, I mean, it may help him, especially since uh, Haney looks like a boxer. Uh, I do think that it may help him and probably make him sharper. So for anyone who, who missed, uh, missed what I was saying earlier about uh, Ben Davison and I was talking a lot about him, I do think that he's uh, he's an underrated trainer, and uh, even on uh, one of the previous Coup de Tau boxing episodes, I was saying that I was planning on uh, talking about Ben more. That yeah, he does make mistake mistakes indeed, but he's not as bad. That he will certainly get better. But hold on. Andre Singh also gave a swing round to Ramirez. That's why it looks close. I didn't watch the fight again till, well, not close, of course, but you got, but you got what I mean. Oh, but uh, he got what I mean, I guess. Uh, TMT saying uh, Davison posted pictures with Haney, but nothing says. He's his new coach or will be in his corner against Linares. Nothing official, but could be the case though. Yeah, yeah, exactly, TMT. Uh, well, I'm I'm looking forward to see what happens. Something similar happened with um, with Billy Joe Sanders. He was there in uh, in Billy Joe Sanders' team for the Canelo fight, but wasn't the trainer and wasn't coaching um, Billy Joe Sanders. He was just a part of the team and going there to to Texas with Billy, but not really being his coach for this fight. We'll see, or maybe they're planning on 
training together in the future. But by the way, TMT, from what I've seen from Haney, is that Devin Haney is going, um, you know, visiting various trainers and camps, probably trying out different trainers or trying to get more experience in different, uh, different stables, different gyms, or maybe get get the different points from um, you know from different coaches it it it's going to be you know interesting to see what is he uh, what he's going to decide but by the way tmt tmt one thing <clears throat> i told you in the comments of uh, one of my videos but just letting you know as um, as you're French, or, or at least uh, you speak French, I started a, a channel in French where I started to do the, the short breakdown videos, just like the ones that I'm doing on uh, official scorecard boxing science. This one is called uh, Books Analyse Technique. And so I have three videos there for now. Uh, the last one is uh, the same one I did on Crawford on his traps just did it in French instead of English English language. So just letting you know, just in case TMT, as you were the one uh, suggesting me to start uh, a French-speaking channel to do, the, to do the breakdowns in French. And uh, thank you for that and props to you. So I just wanted to make sure that, that you're aware of it. I'm going to do more uh, more film studies in that French francophone channel. Anyways, guys, <coughs> do you have anything else to say about about this fight? Any any questions? Your opinions, etc. No. Okay, so in that case, I would like to thank you for being here with me. So I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, by the way, uh, hold on, hold on, something very important. Before ending the show, uh, let me check the boxing schedule. Yeah, so next week... Nordinu Bali versus Nonito Donaire, the fight that I can't wait to happen. Now, <clears throat> I'll see, I mean, the same night the, there's Haney versus Linares, but I don't really care about that fight. Hopefully, Linares has something in his tank. <clears throat> Excuse me. But yeah, for for the Ubali Donaire fight, I'm really hoping that I will have enough of time to do my film studies and um, do a film study show with you before the fight. So probably on Saturday. I'm not sure about uh, you know the exact time, but yeah, I, I'm going to try to do a. a 
an episode on this fight on the day of the fight. So the Saturday, at least a couple of hours before the fight between Ubali and Donaire. So I'm really hoping, hopefully, I will have enough of time to to prepare the clips, the videos, and um, to do a film study with you guys on the day of the fight, Upali versus Donaire, uh, on the 29th of May. Uh, yeah, Floyd Mayweather or Logan Paul, I don't give a fuck about that fight. Neither do I give a fuck about uh, Shakur Stevenson fight, fighting another being in another disappointing fight, nor do I care about Lopez Camposos. So hopefully I will have enough enough time to to hold on what else is there? Hey by the way uh, by the way by the way when are um Rick and uh, what's his name? Rick and Dow and uh, is it in August? Let me see. Yeah, John Real Casimiro versus Guillermo Rick and Dow, 14th of August. Yeah, so I have to speak about that fight. I have to do a film study on that one. Hopefully, I will have enough time to do, do to do one on uh, Ubali Donaire. I'm just checking. What else would be interesting? Now, June nineteenth. Now, yeah, Inoue, Inoue versus Michael Das Martinez. It may be a good occasion for me to to. To do a film study on Inoue to, you know, to show some some of his qualities at least, I'll try to do it. I mean, what the fuck is Jermal Charlo doing in this terrible fight against Juan Macias Montiel? Fuck. Oh yeah, June 26th. Vasil Lomachenko and Masayoshi Katani. That would be a very interesting fight. Yeah, so guys, I would like to tell thank all of you for being here with me, for listening to the show. Big up to all of you. Big up to corruption. Big, big up to... Um, Hey, by the way, if you're looking for, for some new shows, I mean, we all know about uh, BDA Boxing, shout out to them. We know about uh, Nordic Warrior, um, Mark Unraveled, Precise. But if you're looking for some new podcasts, a uh, big shout out to Ring Gang Radio. I mean, uh, I don't always. I mean, it, it's the same thing with with all the other shows that I just mentioned. I don't always agree with them on everything, but a very, very good, very funny show, and uh, they're keeping it boxing one hundred percent. 
um, so yeah, we spoke with all uh, them and myself. We we left about some of our opinions on certain fights, like um, the one that happened in between Vlasov and uh, Joe Smith Jr., etc., where we completely disagreed. But I would say it's an excellent boxing show. Um, they are keeping it boxing. And uh, my favorite panelist from there is uh, Shutterworth. Um, that guy is very funny and makes a lot of great, um, great, um, has a lot of great takes on boxing. Uh, I do, I do enjoy uh, listening to, to, to his takes a lot, as well as the ring of uh, the rest of the uh, Ring Gang Radio. So find them on YouTube. They also have a website, and um, you can also find them on Twitter. So. Ring and Radio and uh, their members, they, they have their own uh, their own uh, personal Twitter accounts. Uh, I know Shudderworth has one, so they're good guys, funny guys, and they know the, uh, they know their shit. They know their shit. They know boxing, they, they're keeping it 100% boxing, so yeah, I would like to, especially, you know, being that I'm used to all the same channels that I've been listening to for years, um, I like to to find the new ones. Hey, by the way, L-Dog, sorry, 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 by, by the way, I forgot L-Dog, he has his own channel, he, he often does live commentary for the fights. Uh, live commentary throughout the whole the whole cards. Uh, so big up to him and to his channel, L Dog. But yeah, what I was saying about uh, Ring Gang Radio, they're they're very interesting. So a breath of fresh air. Uh, the way I found them was I was looking for the people's opinion on. Uh, on um, Estrada versus Chocolatito Gonzalez rematch. That's what. Uh, that's how I find their podcast. Uh, yeah. So that's it. Hopefully, I will have enough time to do a film study episode on Saturday before the fight in between Ubali and Donair. Can't wait for that fight. That's it. Peace, guys.